We made a lot of mistakes with money in college. Learn from seven of our monetary missteps in this episode of The Catholic Money Show. All right, we are recording this episode live here at Seek 24, and it's 24, the year 2024. This is my 14, my 14th focus conference. It is also my 14th focus conference, although they're not the same 14 conferences. No, I went to some that you didn't. You went to some that I didn't. You thought you had me beat earlier today, I but did. I, I remembered I had to one that I went to just in time. <laughs> you did. So we're tied. We're tied on our SEEK experience. We've been here at SEEK first as students, later on as missionaries with focus, then as alumni after we moved on from staff, and now also here as sponsors Mm -hmm. here with WalletWin, our company that teaches personal financial uh, formation for Catholics. Yep. And when we were on staff, that's kind of where our story began, but we saw fellow missionaries, including ourselves, we were a couple of them, uh, struggling under the weight of financial stress. And we also saw friends of ours not being able to enter the priesthood or religious life because of crippling student loan debt. And this call to just Catholic financial formation kept coming back to us. And it was almost a call within a call, like Mother Teresa likes to likes to refer to that as. And so a brief version of our story, we're just going to zip back in time real quick. Mm-hmm was that we met our first year on staff in 2008 in Belmont Abbey, North Carolina. Jonathan's hair was elbow length, and so he was filed right on into the friend zone for me. (laughs) Maybe a little too out there for my personality. Maybe a little too early, huh? Too early. We were also on a dating fast, but we we became friends, got to know each other, uh, started dating our third year. We got married our fourth year on staff. Yep. And that is kind of where our financial story begins. Yes, my wedding present to my beautiful new bride was a dumpster truck full of debt. Student loans, of course, credit cards. And, you know, I took the advice uh, that a lot of people were giving us saying, hey, you only get one honeymoon. You should live it up. And so I booked us on a 10-day trip to paradise and I put it on the credit card to get a couple extra nights for free. And we were having a good time, enjoying the honeymoon, and I had forgotten that I put it on the credit card and that those come due and you've got to pay those off. So while we're on the honeymoon, I decide to check my email, being the practical <laughs> person that I am, and I see an email for this bill that I didn't know about, and I don't know if we had all of the money to pay for it. And so that was our uh-huh. very first Huge, epic money fight right on the honeymoon. Yep, two days in, big old money (laughs) fight, and we thought, all right, this is no good. When we get back to regular life, we've got to figure this out. We need to know what the heck we're doing with money, because all I knew how to do with money was spend it, whether I had any or not. So we got back, we started figuring things out, we dove into it, read books, asked friends, whatever it was we could do to figure it out. And uh, we did. We found Dave Ramsey. He's a Protestant guy. Runs a you know financial stuff. He's got a radio show, some books, and we uh, kind of started following some of his stuff in his plan. We paid off to about twenty five thousand dollars of debt in eight and a half months, and it felt great to finally 
be free from the debt. And other missionaries on staff with Focus started asking us, well, what did you do? How do I do it? What, what's next? And so we started telling people, we started teaching classes at missionary training. We would, at, folk, at conferences like this, we just meet with our fellow staff one-on-one uh, -on -one and talk about what was going on with their finances. We had people over for dinner to talk about their money. And then when we left staff after about nine years, we started Wallet Win to provide Catholic financial formation for the church. We've written a book. We created the Catholic Money Course, hosted thousands at our online Catholic Money Summit. Uh, we've got classes for kids and have released over 200 episodes of the Catholic Money Show. And we're happy to be doing this episode here at SEEK and be here once again. Yeah, it's always good to be back at SEEK. It's been such a gift to watch SEEK grow over the years. It's just such a source of joy for us. But you know what has not been a source of joy? <laughs> to watch something else grow. What's that? Student loan debt. That's Every right. year it seems that we graduate the next most indebted class in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. And this trend has just kind of continued as the years have gone by. As of November of 2023, the average federal student loan debt sits at just over $37,000 and private student loan debt is just over $54,000, totaling about $1.75 trillion in student loan debt. Mm -hmm. I want you just to think about this. So if, you th if, we, if we do a very kind of conservative average Let's like what the average loan is. Some students, right? I mean, you've got scholarships, uh, so it kind of goes down a little bit. But the average loan per student, active student, is about $30,000. That's what you'll have when you graduate. So if we take just the students here at SEEK right now, you are responsible collectively for almost half a billion dollars of debt. That is a problem. And it's not, I wouldn't say it's necessarily your fault. There's a lot of things that go into why student loans have just gone up and up and up over the years, why tuition is more expensive and has a higher rate of inflation than anything else in the economy. And that is a problem because when I think of half a billion dollars of just you guys here, I think about how that could affect the way you hear our Lord, the way the yeses to his asks in your life could get drowned out by financial worries, how the thorns of financial stress, right, could grow up and choke out some of the good things that the Lord is asking you to do here as part of the new evangelization. So even for those college students though, even if you're sitting there, you go, hey man, I don't have any debt. I'm, I'm doing this thing without any loans. That's great. But we all, no matter where we're at, how much we have or how little we might have, we are all called to be good stewards of everything we've been given and certainly our finances. The number one thing that we tend to hear from students that we've served over the last six years is that, I wish I would have known this sooner. Couldn't you just transport back in time and tell me this when I was 18 years old? We can't. Yeah, but, right after you know. I step out of the time machine in my own <laughs> life and tell me about this. I wish I knew these things myself back then. And so we are going to dive into seven things that we wish we knew about money in college. And these are seven things that you can apply, you can start living right now, uh, and take back with you to campus. So let's start with a juicy one. Okay. Number one, 
I wish I had known how to talk about money while dating. Mm. Whenever we talk to married couples, they always say they wish they'd talked about money earlier in their relationship, or they wish they knew how to actually get on the same financial page. And that really does begin when you're dating and normalizing conversations about finances in that season. Yeah, really. this, this right now is a great time to kind of build up this skill. You're in college, you're getting maybe more intentional, a little more purposeful maybe with your dating. Well, then let's just keep that going and get a little intentional with our finances and even how we talk about that in those relationships. Whatever you can do right now, to better your finances and your understanding of them, your handling of them, you are going to be such a better catch for your future <laughs> spouse. There's it's really nothing just, better. It's a gift no matter what your vocation is going to be. <laughs> yes, Whatever the is. Lord's going to ask you to, whether it be marriage or priesthood or religious life, managing your money well now is going to be a blessing and a mm -hmm. gift in that. So let's chat about exactly how to do that. For those of you who are dating right now, you could begin implementing these conversations, or maybe if you're going to start dating soon, tuck these away in your back pocket. Okay. So the conversations that we're going to encourage you to have, they should progress in seriousness and depth with the pace of your relationship. So gradually beginning to have more broad stroke discussions about things like giving and generosity mm -hmm. or spending habits, or are you investing or things like saving. All of these different types of things that we can do with our money are things that we should begin having general discussions about while we're dating. Now, I do wanna have a caveat there that you wanna be aware of too much too soon. You know, on your first date, you don't wanna sit down and say, all right, how, many student loan, how much student loan debt do you have? Do you have a credit card? How much do you owe? Blah, 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 blah. And you by the way, here's my biggest daddy wound. Uh, <laughs> you don't go into the emotional stuff too early. You don't need to get into the financial stuff too early. Exactly. But you also then don't want to um, save too much too late. Mm -hmm. We're a perfect example. Why are we having a conversation <laughs> about this? We're having a fight about this, this credit card on our honeymoon when we're already married. Why hadn't that discussion come up during engagement, or <laughs> let alone dating? And so... Having these conversations early without going into too much wild detail, you know, my family has a trust fund, blah, like these are not things that you need to <laughs> spill out initially while you're dating, but you start to begin having these conversations, seeing what each other's financial personalities are like. Is one person a saver? Is the other person a spender? These are really important things to know about while you are dating. Mm -hmm. And one, uh, one way to maybe frame this conversation, make it easy to get into is, as again, you're getting a little bit more serious in the relationship, you wanna know more about each other. And so you'll maybe talk about some of, well, what were, what were some of the family vacations you went on when you were a kid? What were, what were, how did you, I don't know, celebrate birthdays when you were a kid? What were some, you talk about some of me, this, the ways that you grew up. Well, talk about money. What was, what was it like? What was money like in your family growing up? How did you guys handle it? Did it get talked about at all? Uh, and how is that influencing you here today? The way, you know, you, you're going to go through this, hopefully, as you're dating, as you're getting more serious, discerning your relationship. You know, what do you think, you know, think about kids? What do you think about where you, where you see yourself with your career? Where would you want to live? All these things. Well, how do you handle money is one of those things you should talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd say there's some, you know, I want to say these are maybe not absolute deal killer red flags, but definitely 
big flashing warnings would be uh, something like, oh yeah, well, you know, my family, we just always, you know, just put it on the credit card. I don't know, maybe pay it off. I think maybe I'll just rack it all up and uh, declare bankruptcy. Uh, you, that's not a good idea. And, or somebody who's, you know, I don't really see the point of giving. I don't really know why I would donate to charity. That's probably, uh, maybe you have a conversation and maybe inform them about some of these things. But if it doesn't work, maybe it's not going to work and you can move on. Mm-hmm. Last thing that you can do while uh, entering into this conversation while dating is to intentionally have conversations about who is going to pay for what when we're dating and discerning you know, marriage with one another mm-hmm. while we're actually going on dates. Or maybe if you're long distance and you're traveling to one another, who's actually going to be paying for those things? It's, it's not a taboo topic and it really should be talked about in, you know, in a dating relationship. And not just who's going to pay for what, but an honest conversation about your capacity to pay as well. We were dating. I was a missionary at NYU. Amanda was at University of Illinois. And uh, so we'd come out and visit each other, take turns, and the person hosting would pay for things. And I never, we never talked about, I mean, New York's a little pricey. Instead of going out to Illinois and having a beer on the roof. And then the next night having a beer in the cornfield. We went to Broadway shows. We went out to eat. We saw concerts. Those things cost some money that I did not have. Uh, And And I did not know. And some of that was that wedding gift of (laughs) tens of thousands of dollars of debt. Uh, So I guess you paid for it in the end, babe. (laughs) Yes, I did. But just the point there being... We should have had earlier conversations, you know, again, not on the first date or or two. You don't sit there and Mm -hmm. say, are you going to take the tab here? It's more just this as as you're establishing the relationship now, you know, we're we're more seriously dating here. Let's maybe go ahead and have a conversation. You know, Mm -hmm. how are we going to include expenses to go on dates or travel to see one another, etc.? Just open that conversation up and and be clear. Yeah. And you don't need to be afraid. Uh, well, man, she's just going to like not be impressed at all if I say, well, you know, I'm, maybe I'm, I'm working. I'm trying to get through school with as little debt as possible. I don't have tons of money to spend. So maybe it's going to be a little more thrifty stuff. That's fine. And she should be fine with that. Really, you're just going to be more creative in how you spend time together. That's going to be the important part. If she can't handle that or he can't handle that. <laughs> Oh, well. Might be a red flag. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So in, hand, in figuring out, you know, how much money do we have to spend on dating and discerning our relationship and making memories together, um, the second thing that I wish I knew was I wish I knew how to budget. Mm. Now, studies have shown that the word budget can be very misunderstood or it can evoke a pain sense inside of our brains. We are not recommending a budget to be a financial juice cleanse or to be the ultimate penalty box to tell you that you can't spend money on this, that, or another. What budgeting is, is it's just a plan for your money that reflects the current goals and priorities that God's asking you to prioritize. Mm -hmm. It is the most practical way to live virtue with money. Yeah, no matter how much money you have, no matter how little money you have, you need to have a plan for it. So sit down. That's all it is. It's a spending plan. I think, I'm. you know, I'm going to make X amount of dollars this month, I'm going to spend this much on food, this much on entertainment, this much on rent, whatever it is. This much on dating. Yeah. 
to have that date budget. Uh, and so you learn that skill now. Budgeting is the thing. No matter how, what you're working on, whether it's saving up, some, having some emergency savings, saving up to buy a house, to start a business, whatever it is, having a plan on getting there is what's going to get you there. So you need to learn the budgeting now. And I, started, I did a thing called bank balance budgeting. I would go to the store. I saw how much something was. <laughs> this is not a budget, by you the way. Lo- you open up the bank app. You see how much you've got in the account. Oh, well, that's just a little bit higher, at least, than <laughs> the, the price. I'll buy it. With, I didn't have any thinking about food I would need to buy next week, about yes. paying rent, buying gas, anything. Uh, and so that also contributed to some of those credit card bills <laughs> that we had to pay off together. Uh, so no bank balance budgeting. Make a real budget, a plan for how you, are, you want to use this gift that God's given you in your, in your money. The next thing I wish I knew, I wish I understood how to give generously. The church has a lot of teachings on giving. Uh, Pope Leo XIII, for instance, teaches in his encyclical Rerum Novarum that when when what necessity demands has been supplied and one's standing fairly taken thought for, it becomes a duty to give to the indigent out of what remains over. We have a responsibility to take care of our brothers and sisters who need our help. And I didn't understand in college that the church has something called precepts, basically meaning here are the, the core things of what it means to be a practicing Catholic. And really, the bar's not that high. <laughs> There's only a, a handful of these precepts. Uh, you know, go to Mass on Sunday. And then receive, one, you receive the Eucharist once a year. Yeah, go least. to confession once yeah. a year. One of them happens to be about money, communicating the importance of this topic that our church has. And so the fifth precept of the church is that you shall provide for the needs of the church. And the catechism then clarifies this even a little bit more and says that this means that the faithful are obliged to assist with the material needs of the church, each according to his ability. And so I want you to hear that last section, because I know when you're in college, sometimes it can feel like, well, I'm not in my real job. I, I don't have some, some big full-time income. The church just says each according to his own ability. So I think of saints like Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. Um, he was known to give away his bus fare or his travel money that his parents gave him mm-hmm. so that he could give to the poor so they could buy food or they could get medicine. He was also known to just fast. Now we, nowadays we call it intermittent fasting. He'd just <laughs> skip a meal and he would take the savings and he would give it to somebody in need. Or Blessed Carlo Acutis, he's a kind of a newer blessed in the church. His mother, as he was, she was being interviewed in his canonization process, he said that with Carlo's savings, he bought sleeping bags for, for the homeless, and in the evening, he would bring them hot drinks. And he said that, he was known to say that it was better to have one less pair of shoes so that he could go do an additional good work with the money not spent on the, the pair of shoes that he didn't need. Mm-hmm. And so these are just really small ways that I think when you're in college and you don't have the full-time income, these are little things that you could be doing to grow that muscle of generosity and not have it be atrophied so that when the, when the bigger incomes come as time goes on, you've already got the muscle built up and you're, you're, you're already cultivating this within yourself. Mm-hmm. The big question, though, remains, how much should I give? 
And you might you run into the idea of tithing, which is giving 10%. We find it in the Old Testament uh, to give 10% uh, of, of income, to give the first fruits. Uh, that's beautiful and fantastic. And the Old Covenant. And so Jesus comes and fulfills the Old Covenant. And when he does this, we see in Scripture, he doesn't do away with it, right? He does not do away with one dot of an I or cross of a T of the law, but comes to fulfill it. And when he does it, he usually turns it up a couple notches, right? Before, hey, thou shall not kill. Now, you still can't kill, but if you're really mad at somebody and you're murdering them in your mind with your thoughts, well, that's kind of just as bad, right? Thou shall not commit adultery. But if you're looking at her and you're having some thoughts, well, it's, it's the same thing. Well, yes, so we need to give and give generously. Jesus does not want 10% of your life. He wants the whole thing. And Jesus doesn't want 10% of your money. Now, you don't need to put your whole paycheck in the collection basket, but every single financial decision you make should bring him glory and help build the kingdom. And that looks a whole diff all different ways, right? When I take some of our money and take our daughters out for ice cream, I am saying yes to the vocation that God has put before me, and I'm investing in my children and deepening our relationship. That's a really good thing. We also should give generously. 10% a really great, like there's a lot of good reasons why that's a, like a good rule it's of a good thumb. Starting a line. place to start. Give 10%, see how it fits. If you can't eat, you should give less. Nobody wants you to go hungry giving 10%. But if you can give 10% and not really notice, you need to give more. Uh, you should feel it. So you should give money, you should give to the church to an amount where you feel it, where you know, oh, I can't do this because I'm giving, right? I'm gonna put this 50 bucks in the collection this week and we're not gonna go to brunch after mass. And now, right, there, that's the, that, you can only spend that dollar once. Now I'm not only giving the money, but the sacrifice of the thing I'm not doing on top of it. So it, and it makes like a that, double gift. It's a double gift. Double, two for one. It's a two for one special <laughs> on today's donations. When you know the state of your money, the state of your flocks, and you are giving uh, that feelable amount. So whatever that might be, as a college student, maybe you start feeling it a little bit earlier. That's fine, but make sure you're at the feelable moment. One thing I definitely felt in college was, well, I felt it afterwards, but my debt. So I wish I would have avoided debt. And one way to do this is just get creative, right? I, I transferred schools. I changed my major. I didn't want to pay for a fifth year of school. So I took a very heavy course load and I took summer school classes two of my summers so I could graduate on time for a whole lot less. Uh, so we just got to be creative in the ways that we get to uh, some of these end goals here with our degree. It certainly is a big area of avoiding debt, but also, of course, just not using debt when it's not necessary, not using it to fund your lifestyle, but really the important things, the large expenses that you really need to pull some of that money in from the future, like a meaningful degree. Yeah, because sometimes it's, you're already in the situation and it's not avoidable at this time. And so now the mission is just let's minimize so that later we have less. 
uh, to have to pay back. Um, and so another, I, I've heard of a lot of people doing, you know, some of those general prerequisites and, and whatnot, some of the classes that don't matter mm -hmm. as much for their degree, getting them done at like a, a local community yeah. college and whatnot, because the credits are going to be cheaper. Mm -hmm. Just a really practical way. Now, another strategy could be um, getting a part-time job during school. This is something that I, I wish I had known to do, but there are actually studies that have come out showing that if you work no more than 20 hours a week, so maybe some, the sweet spot would be like 15, 20 hours a week, it actually teaches you more than just, it gives you more than just a little bit of cash in your pocket so that you're taking less debt, but actually it has the ability to help you learn to prioritize and, and spend your time more intentionally because you have more things to balance. Um, and it's going to help you later on in life when you're learning already how to do that and how to juggle different responsibilities in college. Yeah, you end um, up you actually end up being a better student, getting better grades because yes. you had a job. Right. They show that you come out with less student loans and also higher GPAs. So it's kind of a win-win all around there. And then the last and certainly not least strategy that we want to mention is applying for scholarships. So we actually have a whole podcast episode dedicated to this where we interviewed um, a gal who's really a specialist in this. This was her, she treated applying for scholarships like her part-time job all throughout college. Um, and so Meaning was, she did it 20 hours a week. 20 hours a week. She was applying for scholarships, but she, she won enough to pay for all of college. And every semester she was doing that. It wasn't just one of those things where you got to get in as a freshman and it's over. She did it all the way through and even cashed her final um, scholarship she won on her on her graduation day mm -hmm. and graduated without any debt. I mean, it was a true remarkable yeah. That's feat. the thing I wish I knew. You can apply and win scholarships All even as you are a college student. Yep. I thought once I'm in, I guess I lost my chance. That is definitely not true. Not true. So you can still get on that boat and there are people out there just waiting to give you thousands of dollars to pay for your school. You should get some of it. Uh, so apply for those scholarships. I also wish I would have prioritized saving. I had a job in college. I worked at the library and I spent most of it on pizza. Uh, I didn't save. I, I wish you, so you need to save for a couple things. You need to save for emergencies uh, to help just when things come up so you don't end up taking on more debt or you don't get to go take care of that emergency. You don't get to uh, do the things you need to do. So there's emergency savings that you need to have. I'd say you could start off maybe getting 500, maybe a thousand bucks set aside, just waiting there for the day you're going to need it. And you are going to need it. You're going to run into one of these financial shocks about every 12 months. Uh, the other thing to be saving for is for future purpose, future purchases. We call this piggy banking. And there's kind of two different ways to do it. There's one for regular expenses. So like your car insurance, you have to pay for that every six months. So just save up a sixth of it every month. And then you're not hit with a bill when it comes every six months. Where am I going to get all that cash? Well, it's already there waiting you've been for saving you. it up and the amount you need to pay towards it this month is the same as you've done every other month. And there's also, this seems like such common sense, but I certainly didn't do it, but just <laughs> save up for bigger expenses. So Christmas gifts, you know that's coming every December. You should save up for that. Maybe start in July. You know Seek's gonna happen uh, in January and you need to buy your ticket earlier on in the fall. You can save up for that. Mission trips, buying a new phone or a computer. 
You don't need to go into debt. You don't need to get your older brother's junky old one. You can save for those things and then strike when the time is right. Now, another form of savings that you might want to consider if you are, if you don't have debt, because there are definitely a lot of college students who don't, is more of a long-term savings and that's investing. Um, and this is something that when you're in college, your risk tolerance can be a lot higher because you're young. Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure that we're investing with the mind of the church and following as, as moral of investments and as ethical investments as we possibly can. And the bishops have been a, a good guide in this over the last, there was a new document released just a couple of years ago yeah. around this. There's a, some new Catholic investing apps that are coming out to help make this even easier for Catholics to go ahead and, and make a, a habit in their life. Um, but if you are at a place where you can start investing, go for it now. I think we've all heard of or seen that story of if you're 18 and you just save a couple thousand a year for 10 years and then you don't save anymore, well, you're already going to be set for retirement. But if you start at age 25, you'll never be able to catch up to, the, to, to what you could have done if you'd started at 18. It's true. And if you just prioritize that when you're young, it really does start to grow with you and it frees you up later in life to, to prioritize those things that God's going to call you to, to say yes to. Now, when you're young... You, again, you have that greater risk tolerance, but you can also be a little more diverse and even maybe risky, dare yeah. I say, in kind of your strategies. Like you could go completely vanilla on your investment strategies, go ahead and max out a Roth IRA. It's a fantastic strategy. I highly recommend it. Go ahead and do that. Or you could go a little, you know, super chunk fudge ripple and maybe a little Bitcoin. Maybe you look into some uh, investment properties. Maybe you buy a house and charge your buddy's rent and that covers the mortgage. So now you have a place to live for free and you're gonna get a house out of the deal. Uh, there's a lot of different things that you can do to invest if you're in a good spot, uh, you're, you know, you're in, is it an appropriate place to time to be investing. But especially when you're young, you know, right? I can't do as, as risky things because I've got a wife, I've got kids. I, need, I can't just, if I lose the money, that's a big deal for us. If you lose the money, I mean, you're young. You got more time to make up for it. Yep. Uh, the other thing I wish I knew, we're talking about things we wish we knew when we were in college about money uh, on the six. Catholic Money Show. And number six is I wish I understood money from a Catholic worldview. If you want to understand what the church teaches about human sexuality, you can go look into Theology of the Body. If you want to understand more about the depths of prayer, you can hang out with St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to money, well, we've outsourced a lot of it to Protestant perspectives and secular influencers. Mm -hmm. And the church has so much beauty to share around finances that honestly, we didn't even know when we began mm -hmm. our journey of getting out of debt and prioritizing saving. You know, we've been at this now for over 12 years and we didn't truly know the riches that were there waiting for us. Uh, and we really do need to unpack this in modern times in a time where a, a lot of times money is really a status symbol and, and worshiped and almost like an identity. Mm -hmm. And we, we need what the church has to say about this so desperately. Absolutely. If you dive into your catechism, you can start around paragraph uh, 2400. 
That's the part on the seventh commandment about you shall not, thou shalt not steal. And that's where it starts really getting juicy about material goods and about money. So it starts around paragraph 2400. It says things like this one. This is the juicy one. It is contrary to human dignity to cause animals to suffer or die needlessly. It is likewise unworthy to spend money on them that should, as a priority, go to the relief of human misery. One can love animals. One should not direct to them the affection due only to persons. That's I had kind of no a idea <laughs> that was in there. That's a mic Until job. I found it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big deal. And it helps us reorient our values. Mm-hmm. What should we be doing with our money? What is our priority in how this money gets spent? There's encyclicals, rarum novarum, that is like the, the kind of ushered in modern Catholic social teaching by Pope Leo XIII has gems like, therefore those whom fortune favors are warned that riches do not bring freedom from sorrow and are of no avail for eternal happiness, but are rather obstacles that the rich should tremble at the threatenings of Jesus Christ, threatening so unwanted in the mouth of our Lord, and that a most strict account must be given to the supreme judge for all we possess. Also, it says, it is one thing to have a right to the possession of money and another to have a right to use money as one wills. This encyclical alone is so important that a hundred years later, St. John Paul II wrote another encyclical mostly just talking about how awesome this one is. So that is rerum Navarum. It is incredible. And if you don't have a lot of time, just skip to paragraph 22 and read it eight times. It's so good. There's a whole host of encyclicals, of church documents, of teaching documents that help bring and put flesh on the social teaching of the church and how we should handle our money. We don't have time to get into it now. We're doing a series of podcast episodes later this year on a number of these documents. So please follow the Catholic Money Show wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on YouTube, Spotify, everywhere. Uh, if you're here in person and you can get to it, there's a QR code up here that'll take you where you can just hit a button and follow wherever you listen. And we already have 200 episodes, so we've already done a, a fairly... We've covered a bit. We've covered a fair amount of ground there. But let's talk about the seventh thing we wish Ooh, we knew about money. This when is we were a doozy, guys. This one is my favorite of all. That's why we saved it for number seven. I wish that I knew that sometimes God's dreams will be bigger than your bank account. So some, you some, mean to say that we should ignore everything else that we just said? No, it might sound like that. No, no. Still, all the things that we just talked about, budgeting, saving, giving, those are things that I really do encourage you to do. Uh, But sometimes God is going to call you to something that's bigger than your bank account. We don't know when that's coming. We don't know how it's coming. But sometimes it does come. And, you know, we're not all St. Catherine Drexel. If you don't know her, her story, you should absolutely get to know her. She's our patron saint at Wallet Win. Uh, but, you know, her dad helped found Chase Bank. And so she was a wealthy heiress who essentially just bankrolled the mission that God put her on and, and funded building all these schools and missions. And it, w- it was amazing. And she had the means to go ahead and do that yes. as an heiress. Not now, all, most of us don't have that. No, not all of us are sitting on several hundred 
<laughs> million dollars to put towards the kingdom. Some of us are sitting on several dollars uh, that we or can for use. for a negative net worth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so uh, we're going to have some humble means, but that doesn't mean that we're limited to humble works. Uh, St. Teresa of Avila has an amazing quote. She says, uh, Teresa and two ducats, so we could say two bucks. I think it was about 10, 10 bucks. Yeah, all right, all right. So, Saint, so we'll say this. We'll say, Teresa and 20 bucks, nothing. But, Teresa, 20 bucks and God are everything. It's all when we put it in his hands that great things can happen. And this, we see this in modern day. We do. Uh, think, think of Mother Angelica. I think EWTN, they're here. Oh, look, I'm looking right at her right there. There she is. Founders of EWTN, <laughs> you know, here, here's this, uh, this religious sister who's taken a vow of poverty and the Lord entrusts to her a mission to start a global TV network. TV network. And she's never done it before. She, and it's costs, it's extremely costly. Yeah, she doesn't have the money yet. She orders uh, like satellites and the infrastructure in order to launch this thing. She doesn't have the money ready, but the, when the bill comes, she, uh, she prayed, she, she prayed, she goes, praying. you know what? I don't have it. Jesus has it. He'll find it to us. He'll get it to us. And so she's praying the day the bills do, what do you know? The Phone check call. comes in and she's got the money. She's got the money. She trusts. She steps out of the boat uh, and knows that God is asking her to do that. So he's going to provide the safe place mm -hmm. to put her foot. Yeah, I'm going to guarantee you, if you went around and you asked a good bit of the apostolates and ministries here, they might have a similar story to share, that God asked them to step out of the boat like, like he did with Peter. And you don't know exactly how this is going to shake out, but you have to trust that it's going to be there, mm -hmm. that the, the money is going to be there. So our family has experienced this many times. Uh, we've adopted three times, and at no time at the beginning of matching— with, uh, with our daughters, did we have all of the money we needed, but we said yes, and somehow, you know what? It all came together. Yep. God provided through one way or another. Yeah, all the money for the lawyer fees and the paperwork and the background checks, all of that has found its way to us. How do you know if you are, you are getting, getting one of these calls that's bigger than your bank account? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. So I think that really God will start to plant, plant these seeds in you He'll start to grow them within you. Oftentimes it takes time to understand this. I mean, we can look at the lives of the saints. You know, Mother Teresa's story, you know, she didn't even start the Missionaries of Charity until she was 40. You know, this was something that was taking time to come together. It's not like there's an instant lightning bolt moment. Oftentimes he's planting these seeds and growing them. And so I just encourage somebody that might be feeling something that's, that's bigger, that's bigger than and beyond their means. And I'm not talking about just financial. You know, mm -hmm. the Lord might call you to something bigger than your courage, uh, bigger than your emotional strength, big, bigger than any resource you could think of. He might call you to something. I'd say that's most of the calls he puts on us. It's a, to stretch us, right? There's that, 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 you know, God won't give you anything that you can't handle. That's baloney. He's going to give you all sorts of things you can't handle but alone. With, with him. But with him, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, finances is included in that. Yeah, he's going to call you out of your comfort zone. He's going to call you beyond what you think you can do. He's going to call you beyond what you think you can afford sometimes. I don't know how this is going to happen, but I'm going to say yes. And for some reason, we let the financial part of that hold us back. We're easy to go, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be uncomfortable. I can do that. But sometimes we just let that financial just be like a wall that we run into instead 
of being uh, just one more thing Something that God's going to figure out for us. Yeah, we can trust him with our finances. And I would encourage you to, you know, be in a state of grace, just general good discernment 101 <laughs> rules, right? Be in a state of grace, frequent the sacraments, have a spiritual director. And then particularly when it comes to money, being the best financial steward that you can be given your life state, you know, if you're single or you're married, uh, et cetera. And then start to take the steps. You got to start to take the steps. A lot of times discernment is, it's active. We have to begin the project, the process, the, the paperwork. We have to begin doing something and God will begin speaking through that, either through doors just blasting open, doors slamming shut, windows cracking open. You know, he's going to start to move, but we have to begin moving ourselves. And sometimes financially, that's going to mean, all right, I'm taking a step. And we're kind of going to know if it's the Lord's will, if is there going to be a stone there to step on <laughs> or is there not going to be? And, and countless times have we experienced it? Have, you know, others that we've coached experienced it? Have the, the saints experienced it where by some means or another, sometimes miraculous, well, the funding is right there when your foot lands. That's right. So the seven things we wish we knew about money in college were how to talk about it when dating, how to budget, how to give generously, avoid debt, prioritize savings, understand money from a Catholic worldview, and understand that sometimes God is going to call you beyond your bank account. No matter what, you have to understand how to handle your money. It is vitally important. When John the Baptist came, we see this in Luke 3, when he came to prepare the way of the Lord, he's out there and he's saying, hey, the Messiah is coming. You better get your acts together. And the people go, okay, what do we do? And he tells them about money. He says, be, if, if you've got two cloaks, give one to the guy who doesn't have one. Do the same with your food. If you're a soldier, because the soldiers say, what do we do? He says, stop ripping people off. Stop extorting people for money. Be happy with your wages. Share what you have. He talks about three things and they're all money, money, money. And it, it was such an amazing and radical thing that they thought he might be the Messiah when he said these things. He goes, no, 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 that's not me. But you need to be ready. Those are the first three things he said were all about money. The three things that Luke decided to write down because the rest of it just says, and then he told them the rest of the good news about Jesus. And they all believed. It was the money that was so important because it, it colors our, our relationships with one another, our relationships with our Lord. And he wants it to be a source of peace. If we don't understand money the way our Lord understands money, then when We're Jesus talks out. about it in three quarters of, the, the par of his parables and most, like, the majority of his words written down in the, in the Gospels, are about money. If we don't understand it the way he does, we're gonna miss the lesson. It's gonna fly right over our heads and we're gonna, it's not gonna be good for us. So please learn about this. We would love to be your guides. Please follow us with the Catholic Money Show. We're available wherever. You can find a podcast, we're on YouTube. You can find us wherever that is. Come, please come, talk to us. We would love to help you out. We'll be here sticking around a little bit afterwards. We've got- We have some t-shirts. Uh, our t-shirts. Real yeah. success is ending up in heaven and managing your money well is a step in that direction. And of course, Padre Pio's famous quote, pray, budget, and don't worry. So thank you for listening to the Catholic Money Show. It's been a blessing to be here with you at Seek. God bless you. And until next time. Bye for now. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.